2: Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
1: I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual.
3: criminal trial began in a case that shocked the world.
1: Lorena Bobbitt goes on trial for maliciously wounding her husband, and a lot of people are watching. The
4: 24-year-old manicurist from Venezuela is accused of severing the penis of her husband, 26-year-old John Bobbitt, while he was sleeping.
3: Lorena Bobbitt's unthinkable act divided a nation, and also amused it.
5: But to see it on the news, what happened to him, very funny. Really.
3: Bobbitt claims she was temporarily insane at the time of the crime.
4: It was a story about a woman who said that her husband had been abusing her in terrible horrific ways for years and she did something horrible.
3: Something she was found not guilty of doing.
2: What kind of evidence do you need? You show up in court with your dick in your hand and nobody gets convicted of anything.
3: (laughs) This week on The Thread, why did Lorena Bobbitt do it and did she deserve to get away with it?
0: Listen to my story about a man named John Poor ex-Marine with a little fraction gone Late one night after
2: getting with the wine smoked off his pecker with a swipe of a knife
0: Penis, that is. Clean cut.
3: I'm Sean Braswell, and this is The Thread, a podcast where we unravel the stories behind some of the most important lives and events in history to learn more about the surprising connections between them. Today, the case of Lorena Bobbitt, Her attorneys claim she was so out of her mind after suffering from years of domestic abuse that she could not resist the impulse to wound her husband while he slept. The shocking story of Lorena and John Wayne Bobbitt from the early 1990s remains seared into the memories of millions of Americans. And, 25 years later, it has returned to the spotlight, including in the new docuseries Lorena. But the incredible tale is also part of a larger story one shaped by a controversial criminal defense, legal insanity. So what's the thread? In the last episode, we heard about the horrific shooting in a Colorado movie theater in 2012. James Holmes murdered 12, injured dozens more. He was mentally ill by almost all accounts, but that wasn't enough to mount a successful insanity defense. One of the main reasons that proving legal insanity can be tough today for defendants like Holmes was the public reaction to the outcomes in some earlier cases. Cases like Lorena Bobbitt's. In the early morning hours of June 23rd, 1993, 26-year-old John Wayne Bobbitt awoke to every man's worst nightmare.
4: John wakes up out of a dead sleep.
3: Marissa Casino is a senior editor at Washingtonian Magazine. She spent a lot of time covering the Bobbitt case for its 25th anniversary.
4: He told me that he thought at first that uh, it was like a Freddy Krueger thing.
3: Freddy Krueger was a famous movie serial killer from the 1980s, the one who had razors for fingers.
2: You are all my children now.
4: He thought he was having a nightmare. He just sort of didn't understand what was going on. He was totally disoriented.
3: John had been out with a friend and returned late that night to the apartment he and Lorena shared in Manassas, Virginia.
4: So John's out clubbing, he comes home about three in the morning. Lorena says, you know, he wakes her up, he smells like alcohol, and he climbs on top of her. So Lorena says that she said clearly that she did not want to have sex and that John ignored her and went ahead and had sex with her anyway, Um, and then promptly passed out.
3: Next, Lorena would later claim she went to the kitchen for a glass of water.
4: She sees a knife, she grabs it, um, she goes back into the bedroom, and you know, the rest is sort of history. She cuts off his penis while he is asleep.
3: Lorena later claims she had no memory of her momentous deed.
4: She doesn't uh, really come to until she goes downstairs and gets into her car and realizes that she can't drive because her hands are full. So she looks down, and she's got a bloody knife in one hand, and she has his penis in the other hand. And that, she says, is when it kind of hits her, you know, what has happened.
3: It's the middle of the night, and Lorraine is not sure what to do.
4: She sort of freaks out. She starts driving. In her kind of state of trauma and shock, she throws the penis out the window of the car into a grassy field that is near a 7-Eleven.
3: Lorena later told police where she thought she'd thrown the dismembered organ, and investigators were able to recover it near the 7-Eleven.
4: So they bring it inside, and um, according to one of the surgeons who later operated on John, they packed the penis in a hot dog bag full of ice, and that is how it arrived to the emergency room at the hospital.
3: The doctors in the emergency room had never seen anything like John's injury, and no one was sure if the preserved member could be reattached.
4: So it's an eight- or nine-hour surgery, very intense. And uh, the surgeons say that, you know, they they kind of held their breath, and at the end, they took the tourniquet off, and the organ pinked up, and the blood flow was flowing, and they they sort of breathed a sigh of relief that everything uh, seemed to be in working order.
3: Pretty soon, the tales of John's unusual surgery and Lorena's unspeakable act were all over the news. Within days, Lorena and John Wayne Bobbitt for global celebrities.
4: Pretty quickly, the, the Bobbitt story became, you know, a huge media circus. Uh, tabloid sensation, you know, everybody wanted to know more about it.
2: It's one of the most talked about stories of the year. The case has struck a nerve. The sordid details of a marriage gone berserk. Bobbits could only get more attention if they were starring in a TV movie.
4: Lorena and John had to quickly figure out how to navigate that world, which, you know, as a marine slash warehouse worker and a manicurist, they were completely unfamiliar with. I mean, this thing threw them into the limelight in a way that neither of them, I think, you know, could have ever previously imagined.
3: The Bobbit's marriage and lives were opened and dissected for public consumption.
4: Lorena Bobbitt, originally Lorena Gallo, was from Ecuador and also spent part of her childhood in Venezuela.
3: She was a young immigrant to Virginia when she met John Wayne Bobbitt.
4: And at first, Lorena was um, very smitten with him. He was a Marine. Uh, He was uh, very nice to her while they were dating. She says that John was, you know, her first real boyfriend, her first, you know, sort of everything.
3: In less than a year, they were married.
4: And their marriage was chaotic, to say the least, um, they were scraping by. Uh, John, at that point, was a warehouse worker, and Lorena was um, a manicurist. She worked at a nail salon.
3: Like many young married couples, the Bobbits had a complicated relationship. But what the media and the late-night comedians mostly wanted to focus on was John's penis, even if much of what they said bore little resemblance to what actually happened.
0: I'm kind of curious how you lose your dick and not notice. When do
2: you suddenly wake up a Ken doll? I mean, picture this idiot out in the woods, three in the morning, looking in the bushes.
3: Even with his manhood being discussed on every channel, John stayed quiet. Meanwhile, Lorena hired a publicist to tell her side of the story.
4: Vanity Fair was the magazine that got the first full-length feature interview with Lorena. Um, Lorena went and did a big photo shoot at her then lawyer's house in her bathing suit.
3: In the article and elsewhere, Lorena claimed that John raped her that night and was abusive for years. The claim sparked a nationwide debate as the case went to trial. It was billed as a battle of the sexes.
0: I must say one of the stunning things was the circus outside uh, barriers put up with women on one side, men on another.
3: This is John's attorney at the time. Greg Murphy.
0: There was such a huge crowd out in front that we had to arrange with the sheriff and the court so we could get through and into the courthouse.
3: Hundreds of reporters and caravans of satellite trucks converged on the historic Civil War town of Manassas, Virginia, not far from Washington, D.C. The Oscar Mayer Wienermobile also turned up. So did a local rock band who played 50 Ways to Cleave Your Lover.
0: And then there were people in the, in the community capitalizing on it, people selling underwear or underpants, boxer shorts that said Manassas, a cut above, um, a plastic uh, tube that was a, uh, a bobbit penis protector. I mean, <laughs> there were T-shirts that said Love Hurts. I mean, there was so much going on out there. Cable television, including a new station called Court TV,
3: brought Lorena's trial into homes across the nation.
0: It was probably the first case to go literally viral over the internet Um, and it was about eight months before uh, O.J. Simpson's case, uh, which really took off.
3: Lorena's trial began 25 years ago in January 1994 and at the heart of it was the insanity defense. of standing idly by while the world goes crazy? Diane Lockhart is, and so is the cast of the critically acclaimed legal drama The Good Fight. Join the fight by watching the new season, now streaming exclusively on CBS All Access. Tune in to see if Diane Lockhart will lead the resistance in a new post-factual world, a world where the lawyers with the best stories triumph over the lawyers with the best facts. Season three of The Good Fight throws the standard playbook out the window. New characters, new rip from the news storylines, and a dynamic cast that is more stacked than ever. Christine Baranski is back as the venerable Diane Lockhart. Rose Leslie, Cush Jumbo, and Audra McDonald's characters challenge the patriarchy at every turn, while actor Michael Sheen shakes up the screen as infamous lawyer Roland Blum, a.k.a. Corruption Incarnate. You won't want to miss Season 3 of The Good Fight. The Resistance starts now. Join the fight by heading on over to cbs.com slash thread to redeem your free trial of CBS All Access to watch the new season of The Good Fight, now streaming exclusively on CBS All Access. That's cbs.com slash thread to redeem your free trial of CBS All Access. The malicious wounding trial of Lorena Bobbitt began today in Manassas, Virginia. She has admitted emasculating her husband last June. Earlier today, she pleaded not guilty to the charge. This is believed to be a first step in a defense of insanity. The charge against Lorena carried a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. She also faced deportation. Marissa Casino again.
4: The prosecution was out to prove uh, that Lorena was of sound mind when she... Um, when she cut off John's penis, that it was a malicious act, that she had essentially attacked John, not in self-defense, but out of revenge.
3: That fateful night, according to prosecutors, Lorena acted out of anger, and she admitted that fact to the police. She told them she did it because her husband didn't wait for her to have an orgasm. He was selfish. She said, so I pulled back the sheets, and then I did it. Greg Murphy again.
0: They interviewed her again the next day to make sure they understood that this is the detective as to the reason she gave and she repeated because he have orgasm and not wait for me. Um, that's obviously not what she testified to.
3: Prosecutors argued that letting Lorena off the hook for her action because she was upset or angry would set a dangerous precedent.
1: She was angry and she retaliated against him. But, you know, folks, we don't live in a society that is governed by revenge. We don't live in a society in which whoever has the biggest knife wins.
3: Lawyers for the defense could not argue that Lorena had not done the deed, but they could argue she lacked criminal intent.
4: So Lorena's defense team put on a defense called Irresistible Impulse. It's a kind of temporary insanity defense. So basically the idea is that in that moment, Lorena was so, kind of traumatized by all of the past assaults and alleged abuse that she had suffered at the hands of her husband, that she snapped.
3: Lorena's lawyers argued that her four-year marriage to John was a reign of terror.
1: The evidence will show that in her mind, it was his penis from which she could not escape.
3: A number of witnesses corroborated Lorena's stories of marital abuse, including that momentous night in June.
5: Their next-door neighbor testified to what he called sounds of painful sex coming from the Bobbitts' apartment the night of the incident.
3: But the most compelling testimony came from Lorena herself.
4: Lorena was very emotional on the stand. She cried. Um, She, you know, went into detail about the horrific uh, things that she uh, claimed to have suffered throughout her marriage to John.
5: He kicked me
3: in my stomach and he threw me to the wall.
2: Were you kicking like this, no, were you he kicking
3: was like this. It was like a kick? side side karate kick. I was really scared. I was really afraid. John, Lorena claimed, was also violent on the night in question. I said I don't want to have sex. And uh, he wouldn't listen to me, he wouldn't let me let me go. Then John fell asleep, and Lorena went into the kitchen. She testified about what went through her mind when she saw the knife. I remember a lot of things he said to me. I remember the first time he raped me. There was just so many pictures on my head. I remember the insults and the bad words that he told me. I remember
1: everything. Everything.
4: You know, I think she really won a lot of the public over, you know, the fact that the, that the trial was televised really helped uh, at least a large part of the population sympathize with her. The clerk uh, at the courthouse told me that after Lorena testified, the mail just
1: poured in for her.
3: And Lorena also became a symbol for a movement larger than herself.
1: Frankly, that was, you know, 20 years ago, there wasn't a lot of attention on, uh, on domestic violence.
3: Kim Gandhi is president and CEO of the National Network to End Domestic Violence.
1: There's no question that there was a tremendous opportunity created by the trial, basically taking advantage of the media circus to try to draw attention to something that was a tremendous damaging problem to countless women all over the country.
3: But being the object of widespread public sympathy was not enough for Lorena to avoid a guilty verdict. Her lawyers had to convince Virginia jurors she was out of her mind when she wounded her husband.
0: It was probably one of the most bizarre acts that has happened in this country in a long, long time. Everything about this case is crazy and bizarre. This is a
5: classic
0: case of irresistible impulse. The defense put on an uh, irresistible impulse, insanity defense. Attorney Greg Murphy again. In Virginia, there's not a real definition of, of what that might be. Um, But it is a defense that's allowed. And uh, the irresistible impulse is that it's in a moment of passion. You lose control of yourself and you act out and you do something that is criminal.
3: But it's an impulse that is not easy to prove.
4: Because in order to put on that defense of irresistible impulse, a defendant really has to have been diagnosed with some kind of mental illness or disorder.
3: And that meant the experts needed to testify.
5: Both prosecutors and defense lawyers called psychologists and psychiatrists to testify to the state of Mrs. Bobbitt's mental health.
3: Defense lawyers and experts argued that Lorena suffered from depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, and battered woman syndrome. They claimed that she finally lost touch with reality after being raped that night.
1: She had an acute uh, deterioration of her mental state at that time and became psychotic.
3: The prosecution psychiatrist saw it differently.
1: We're talking about an impulse that someone has
0: but they cannot stop themselves from doing it because the disease of the mind impairs their ability to control themselves. In this case, the impulse is clear, it's anger, and it's to cut off her husband's penis, but there's nothing here indicating that she can't control herself.
3: The jury left to deliberate at the end of the two-week trial. They returned after just seven hours to announce a verdict.
5: We, the jury, find the defendant, Lorena Lenore Bobbitt, not guilty of malicious wounding as charged in the indictment by reason of insanity.
4: Marissa Kashino. The jury found Lorena not guilty by reason of insanity. John obviously felt very differently. He felt like everything had been, you know, misconstrued. You know, he had been totally uh, misrepresented uh, and that she had gotten off, you know, scot-free. <laughs>
3: There was another side to the sordid story, John Wayne Bobbitt's. It got lost in the media circus, late night jokes, and Lorena's tearful televised testimony. John's lawyer, Greg Murphy.
0: If you looked at the transcript of his trial versus her trial, you'll find two very different set of facts.
3: That's right. John had a trial too, before Lorena's, but it didn't get nearly the attention that hers did.
0: There's a lot involved in this case. enormous number of facts that 99% or more of the people don't pay any, or haven't paid any attention to. But the one salient piece is the burning question, why did she do it? Up next, the trial of John Wayne Bobbitt and the light
3: it sheds on why Lorena did it and whether she was temporarily insane at the time.
0: You know, every good litigator is going to do his own assessment of whether the client's telling the truth.
3: John Wayne Bobbitt's lawyer, Greg Murphy, again.
0: While it's not perfect, with with enough experience, you tend to trust your own judgment, and I had felt that John was telling me the truth.
3: Murphy's instinct also told him there were problems with Raina's story.
0: I had a history of about 15 to 20 years of representing women who had been abused Having dealt with and counseled and helped battered women for so many years, or rape victims, she wasn't acting like a victim in that sense.
3: And that includes the famous spread Lorena did with Vanity Fair, the one that featured photos of her in her bathing suit.
0: And that just is not the way someone who's been traumatized by being raped or battered would be looking to glamorize themselves, especially so close to the event. John's trial began a few months before Lorena's in the fall of 1993.
3: He was charged with marital sexual assault. So far, no one had heard much from John, and he had a very different story about what happened that night in June.
0: Well, you ask about the context of what occurred that night. It's not that simple because what occurred that night probably was uh, a result of the pattern of what had gone on for years in the relationship.
3: And it was a relationship that outsiders might not have expected from the young, attractive Marine they saw on the nightly news.
0: It was the exact role reversal. Uh, She had a steady job. She was bringing in the money. He wasn't doing much at the time. And it was unsatisfying to her that he was no longer this uh, picture-perfect all-American military person and now was just lying around, playing video games, watching TV, and working occasionally. Their marriage went downhill quickly.
4: John told me that the marriage was tumultuous, that, you know, they fought, but that he never physically hurt her.
3: On the contrary, John claimed he had been the victim of physical abuse. This is how John summarized it on The Steve Harvey Show a few years ago.
0: I was never abusive. No one, ever, no one that knows me can never tell you that I was ever abusive. Not an abusive person. And, not, and I don't believe in violence. Uh, Did this she, ever come out in the court? She case? was the one that was violent. She, she attacked me. She stabbed me with a fork, you know, she tried to run me over the car.
3: John claimed he was asleep on the night of his famous wounding.
0: And he immediately held his groin to stop the bleeding. And eventually got up, went into the other room, awakened Robbie. Robbie saw what occurred and he took him to the hospital.
3: Robbie Johnson was John's best friend, the one he was out with earlier that night. He was sleeping on the Bobbitt's couch. People forget about Robbie, and many also forget what Lorena did next while she was still holding the knife and the severed penis in her hand.
0: After leaving John's bedroom with these two things in hand, she went into the living room where Robbie was asleep, and she stole $100 out of his wallet, and then she looked around and found his Game Boy, stole his Game Boy, left carrying all four things in her hands. Not exactly uh, the actions of a person who was traumatized by being raped that night, supposedly.
3: We can't know for sure what compelled Lorena to do what she did, or whether John abused his wife for years in the manner that she claimed. John denied those claims, but there were several witnesses that testified to his abuse of Lorena. Still, like Lorena, he was found not guilty.
1: I'm thankful for the, the jury, and they believed me, and uh, I just want to get on with my life, and, you know, because I got a lot of healing to do, and.
3: And the facts that came out in John's trial do cast some doubt on whether Lorena really was insane.
0: The facts just don't fit irresistible impulse here. She goes in and gets the knife, and then she walks out thinking, you know clearly thinking about what she's up to, because she goes in and steals $100 and a Game Boy. It all seems premeditated. It doesn't seem at all to be an irresistible impulse.
3: Newsweek took a poll shortly after the trials. Two-thirds of those surveyed said that Lorena should be found guilty, but most thought she should receive little or no jail time. The jurors in her case, however, did not have that option. They had the insanity defense. This is Andrea Alden, author of Disorder in the Court, Morality, Myth, and the Insanity Defense.
4: It's a lot easier to accept a temporary insanity defense, I think, for somebody like Lorena Bobbitt, who didn't have a long and documented history of mental illness, um, and so people were more um, inclined to be sympathetic for, towards her plight, although her crime was incredibly horrific.
3: Many in the public also felt that John deserved his wound. This is Richard Bonney, a professor of law and of medicine at the University of Virginia.
5: The basic dynamic of that case for some people is going to be he deserved it. He had it coming to him. Uh, I mean, as a matter of law, he didn't have it coming to him.
3: There's a legal term for when members of a jury find a defendant like Lorena Bobbitt not guilty because they don't support punishing them, even for an action that is against the law, nullification.
5: So the way that I think about what happened in a Lorena Bobbitt case is that by giving the insanity instruction, you know, there was an outlet for what is essentially a nullifying motivation that the jury had. Um, and it wasn't really about the insanity defense at all.
3: Lorena Bobbitt spent 45 days in a psychiatric hospital, and then she was released. She was grateful to be out of the spotlight.
4: John, on the other hand, really continued to seek the spotlight. He did a tour of radio shows. He went on the Howard Stern Show.
5: John Wayne Bobbitt, of course, had a terrible situation. He's the
2: guy, of course, whose wife cut off his schween. John, I'm glad you could come. Oh, I can't, hard.
4: And most notably, he made two porn movies. One, the first one, was called John Wayne Bobbitt Uncut, and I think the second one was called Franken-Penis. So, yeah, very classy stuff.
3: (laughs) John Wayne Bobbitt now lives with a girlfriend in Las Vegas and works in construction.
4: After the trials were over, Lorena really seemed to seek normalcy. She wanted to return to a normal, quiet, anonymous life. She went back to school. She met a guy who she is still with today.
3: And she started an organization focused on domestic violence prevention.
4: So she has sort of, I think, tried to find the silver lining in the situation and um, make some good of it.
3: But it was her trial itself that really started
4: something. And I think it really forced the public to grapple with that, to talk about domestic violence in a way uh, that, you know, that, that hadn't really been discussed. You know, the public debate was a mixed one.
3: Kim Gandy again, the president and CEO of the National Network to End Domestic
1: Violence. There were a lot of people who were shocked to learn that this kind of thing goes on in people's houses and I do think that it helped with uh, eventual passage of the Violence Against Women Act.
3: This is Lorena Bobbitt again in a 2015 interview with Steve Harvey. You know what? Well I'm glad that after 22 years you still laugh about it but something something good has come out of my you know, Absolutely. negative. And... and people are still laughing about it just as they have ever since it happened and it seems that Lorena and John Wayne Bobbitt are destined to live out their lives as jokes in late-night comedy routines.
4: I think there is sort of an instinct to kind of try to make light of something when it's too horrific to really wrap your mind around. And I think that that, that instinct would still be there if this happens today. But I would like to think that we would treat Lorena more as a survivor of domestic violence and assault than as a punchline.
3: Modern juries are skeptical about the insanity defense. They are hesitant to find a defendant like Lorena Bobbitt not guilty when she clearly committed the act in question. In her case, they were willing to embrace it because of the trauma she had apparently suffered. But the skepticism was real. Lorena Bobbitt's trial came just a decade after another high-profile case rocked public opinion and the legal landscape beneath all insanity pleas.
0: He decided that he would
5: uh, assassinate Ronald Reagan when he was giving a speech at the Washington Hilton. (laughs) The defense view was that he was delusional. You know, the president was just a bit player in this drama that was being, uh, you know, played out in Hinckley's mind.
3: In the next episode of The Thread, we explore the trial of John Hinckley Jr., the man who shot the president of the United States and claimed he did it because he was insane. With love.
5: Put your hands on a chick Wanna rub on a chick And not get consent So you see that I am in a state of panic And you wanna take advantage Now I'm looking like your target Don't make me go rain about it rain above it the rain above it Lorraine above
3: it The Thread is produced by Robert Kulos, Sophia Perpetua, and me, Sean Braswell. Chris Hoff engineered our show. This episode features Alan Barnes with a song called The Ballot of the Bobbitt Hillbillies and Lisa Glover with a song called Lorena Bobbitt. To learn more about The Thread, visit ozzy.com slash thread all one word. And make sure to subscribe to The Thread on Apple Podcasts, follow us on iHeartRadio, or listen wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out at ozzy.com or on Twitter and Facebook. If you love surprising, engaging stories from history, look no further than the flashback section of ozzy.com. That's OZY.com.
0: This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for The ride.